Amen. Stop running. I like that. Let me invite your attention to Jonah chapter 2 this morning, the inside story. So we think about God's word this morning. There was a guy in a small town in Texas who wanted to open a bar in that town. A number of people didn't want the bar to open. There was a local church that didn't want to see it open, so the local church signed petitions to get it stopped, and that didn't work. The local church even protested the opening of the bar, but that didn't work. Then finally the local church said, well, let's pray that somehow God will stop the opening of that bar. And so they prayed that the Lord would move. A week before the bar was to open, there was a thunderstorm that came through that little town. And there was a lightning bolt that hit that bar, catching it on fire. And that bar was a total loss. The owner of the bar decided he was going to sue the church because he made the connection between their prayers and the burning of that bar. And the church said, you have to realize our prayers had nothing to do with the burning of that bar. Finally, of course, the case finally went to court and the judge literally standing said, I don't know what to do with this case. And here's why. I've got a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer. And I've got a church that denies the power of prayer. So what do I do with this? That's not the first time that it happened in Acts chapter 12, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Peter's in prison. He's between some guards, and what is the church doing? So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter's in prison. The church is meeting together at the house of Mary, John Mark, and they're praying that Peter is going to be released. Well, God moves, and Peter's released, and he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, and the Bible says, and when he knocked at the door at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. So the church was gathered and Peter's at the door. She hears his voice. She goes back and says, the very one we've been praying for, he is standing at the gate. The Lord evidently has released him. And what did the church say to her? You are out of your mind. How many of us pray and we never anticipate God doing anything? And I pray this morning as we think about the inside story and Jonah's prayer that when you and I pray, we recognize we're praying to the Heavenly Father. Nothing is impossible with Him. And when we pray, we pray with a spirit of expectation that God is going to move when we have a conversation with Him. So we think about this again. I go back to Jonah chapter 1. Let me fill us in where we were at last week when you look at God's Word in Jonah 1. How did this story end? In Jonah 1, and it says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. One of the things I encourage you as Bible students, when you read the Word of God, make sure you're looking for the person of Jesus when you read the biblical text. Because we see the person of Christ throughout the Bible. So as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of this fish, Jesus lived a perfect sinless life, crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day, you see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. There's a connection between Jonah and the belly of the fish and Jesus victorious over death and the grave. As I think about Jonah's life, I thought about my life, and I thought about so many unforgettable experiences I've had in life. And I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but church, I'll never forget the day that I was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the day that Ainge and I joined our lives together in marriage. 
I'll never forget the season in life that Almighty God called me into Christian ministry. And I'll never forget two years ago this very weekend that God called and you affirmed that I would be your senior pastor. And I will never forget that weekend because God called us to come here and to serve and to walk with you in ministry. Never forget those experiences. Praise the Lord for that. Also, I was thinking this week, I'll never forget, I was at a church leadership conference. And there were, there were a number of leaders who were there, and the Spirit of God moved in that conference. And in that conference, one afternoon, we found ourselves, literally every leader there, on our knees at our seats. And we were just seeking God, confessing any sin, and we were praying a three-word prayer that afternoon. All of us in that in that conference. You say, what did you pray? Here were the three words. God, use me. Simple. Not complex. Not a lot of religious language. God, use me. Imagine what would happen in this worship center. Imagine what would happen, you watching around the world somewhere. If you got on your knees in this place, the presence of God before him, and the Holy Spirit convicting you, And you just said those three words to him this morning, God, use me. Imagine what would happen as a church. We got on our knees together as a church, and we just said three words to him, God, use us. Imagine what Almighty God would do in and through us. Very simple. I'll never forget that experience. I was in Asia one time, meeting with a group of believers from an underground church, been persecuted, been beaten, all the stories that go with that. They asked me to do something I'll never forget. I'll never get over it. It was an unforgettable experience. They said to me, Pastor, would you be willing to lead us in the Lord's Supper? We've not observed the Lord's Supper in quite some time. And would you lead us to do that? I was so humble that the church asked me to do that. Stopped at a store, bought some crackers and bought some grape juice. Got some little cups. We gathered in a very dingy hotel. Wouldn't even know where it's at to this day. The church there, we're there. We take the piece of bread, cracker. Remember the broken body of Christ. We take the cup of juice, the shedding of blood of Christ for us, for our forgiveness of sins. And we observe those in unity and obedience to what Jesus asked. I'll never forget that experience in that hotel room. We talked in very soft voices because of the threats around us. But to stand there watching those believers worship the Lord Jesus Christ, observe the piece of bread and the cup of juice, tears flowing down their faces. I'll never forget that experience. It was one of those holy ground moments in worship as we observed the Lord's Supper together. If we had the opportunity to talk to Jonah today, I believe there were experiences in Jonah's life he would never forget. I don't think for a minute Jonah ever forgot that first step he took away from the Lord's call in his life where he started running from the Lord. He never forgot that. I don't think Jonah ever forgot being picked up and cast over the ship into the sea. I don't think he ever forgot that experience. I don't think Jonah ever forgot that fish swallowing him up and he's living inside the belly of the fish. I don't believe he ever forgot that experience. Nor do I believe he ever forgot having a prayer meeting in the belly of a fish with Almighty God. It was an unforgettable prayer meeting for him. I don't think he ever forgot those things. And here's what the life of Jonah teaches you and me. You can run from God, but God's going to catch you 
And when he catches you, you're always going to pay the consequences of that. So when you think about Jonah, there is this idea of sacrifice. Well, the sailors, you just pick me up and throw me overboard. There's a sacrifice. As we come together today, don't ever forget the amazing grace of God. We have victory in Jesus. Why? Because the Son of God was willing to sacrifice his life for you and for me. A sinless life, perfect life left the glories and the magnificence of heaven and came to this earth and took on human flesh like you and me and then ultimately died on a cross, buried in a tomb, gloriously raised on the third day. He is alive today, still changing the hearts and lives of boys and girls and men and women around the world. Sacrifice. Unforgettable experience. Well, as I walk through this, I want you to look at some things here because they relate very well to us. From Jonah chapter 2, number 1, overcome life by hearing God's voice. As you look at this text, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. You know this, Jonah's life was in a mess. I can't even imagine what it's like to live in the belly of a fish. But Jonah's life was in a mess. He was in a crisis. And what is he doing? He starts having a conversation with God in the belly of that fish. That's a wise move on Jonah's part. As you and I think about praying, those who follow the Lord, those who are living away from the Lord, and many people who don't even know the Lord, the majority of people in life say they pray. The percentages are off the charts. And as you and I think about that, Jonah teaches us another lesson. What do we do one day when we wake up in life and realize life isn't going quite as we planned or even as God planned? What do we do when that happens? What do we do when we wake up and realize that we have crashed in life? What do we do when we wake up and realize that our marriage is growing apart rather than growing together? What do we do when we wake up one day and realize our family is in a crisis? What do we do one day when we wake up and see the needs in our church family? And then what do we do as a nation when we wake up and realize that we are so divided in this nation? What do we do? The wise thing to do is to have a conversation with God who can do all things. And so here Jonah is in the belly of the fish. And what does the Bible say? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He didn't pray to anyone. He prayed to the Lord his God. And we always are having a conversation with him. So let me give you these truths. Number one, refuse to pray as the last resort. As you think about Jonah, Jonah here in the belly of this fish, he starts praying, having a conversation with God. As you and I think about this, Jonah could leave a con- he could lead a conference on prayer because he's being trained about what it means to have a conversation with God. I just encourage you and me, when life is difficult, and life is not going as we planned, and even when we're living away from what God desires, I challenge you, refuse to pray as a last resort. Here's what happens. Many times we read books, we go to seminars, we consult counselors, we do all these other things. And then if none of those work, then we have a conversation with God. None of those things are wrong. I just encourage you, when the crisis of life comes your way, don't pray as the last resort. Pray as a first response. Seek the kingdom of God first in your life. And Jonah here is in the belly of the fish. He is sharing his heart with God. He's having a conversation with the Lord God Almighty. Number two, share your heart with Almighty God. Have a conversation. Here's what Jonah is doing. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He is crying out to God in his life. 
How many of you today need to cry out to God because your life is in a crisis? Your life is in distress. Your marriage is in a crisis. Your family is in a crisis. And how many of you need to have a conversation with God and just cry out to Him and share your heart with Him? That's what Jonah is doing in this text. The individuals I love to hear pray oftentimes are kids. Kids pray. They don't use a lot of religious language. It's just straight from their hearts to God's heart. God, would you heal my dog? God, would you somehow bring life back to my cat? And God, those goldfish that are floating, would you make them live again? Kids have a way of doing that. They know how to pray very simple prayers, just sharing their hearts with God. There's another great example in the New Testament. Not a lot of religious language, but in Matthew chapter 14, I encourage you to find that place there. It's a life of, uh, again, of Peter. Jesus was walking on the water. He comes out to the boat, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, you know, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. That's a great invitation by Jesus. Come. He's always saying that. You come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out. Peter didn't pray a a long prayer, just three words, what? Lord, save me. Simple prayer. How many of this morning you've got outside the boat, you've taken your eyes off the Lord Jesus, you're sinking in your life. Your life is going down, your marriage is going down, your family's going down, your career's going down. We can keep going on. How many of you need to make sure you put your eyes back on the Lord again and just pray this simple prayer? Lord, save me. He'll be faithful to you. You just share your heart with him. Share your heart to Almighty God. Let me give you these. These will help you in your prayer life. Number one, seek God first. Don't seek him as the last resort. Seek him first. Seek to first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll give you all these other things. Your prayer life will go to another level when you seek the face and the heart of God first. Number two, stop trying to impress people. Listen, you're not trying to impress people around you. Have a conversation with God. Share your heart with him. Be honest with him. Share your emotions, everything about that. Just stop trying to impress other people around you and just get honest with God in your life. And number three, speak with honesty and transparency. How many of you need to be honest and transparent with him today about your life? Jonah was in the belly of a fish. He was honest and transparent with God. How many of us need to get honest and transparent with him now to say, Lord, my life is a mess. Lord, my marriage is falling apart. Lord, my family is in a crisis. Lord, our church, we have significant needs. Lord, our nation is divided. We need help. In his distress, he called out to God. How many of us need to get that honest and transparent with a heavenly father this morning? Jonah's teaching us something. Then number three, look to see how God answers. How did God answer this? Go back to Jonah chapter 2. The Bible is very clear as Jonah is praying and putting his heart out to God. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and what? And he answered me. The Lord answered his prayer. He called out, and God, because God loved him and gave grace to him, God answered his prayer, changed his life, as we're going to see. Look to see how God answers. Here's how God works. And I used to say God answered prayers one of three ways, but I've kind of added a fourth into it. When you pray, God is going to answer. You ask God to do something. He very well, because it may be in agreement with his will. He says yes. 
You ask God to do something. It very well may be that God says to you, I want you to wait because there's, there's growth in the waiting room of your life. It may be you ask God to do something and God says no. It was not a part of his will, his plan for your life. And God says no to your prayer request. And then somewhere I found over the years, maybe sometimes when we ask God for something, he just says, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) I mean, you're asking for that? But God is going to answer. So here Jonah is in the belly of a fish in his distress, crying out to God. And the Bible says God answered him. Look to see how God answers your prayers. So if I ask you in your life, your marriage, your family, for us as a church, when have we seen God answer prayers in our lives? Celebrate that God is listening, but celebrate that God is answering. And here's some ways, again, that will enhance your prayer life. I encourage you to write these down. One, be specific in your request. Don't pray in general terms. Get honest. Pray for people by name. Pray for situations by that situation. Be specific in your requests. Two, pray with other believers. Find some of God's people who love God, who love you, who want to walk with you in life. Find yourself praying with other believers, gathered together, agreeing, seeking the heart of God, and then ask God to teach you how to pray. We ask people to teach us all sorts of things. When is the last time you asked the Lord to teach you how to pray? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples said, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? How are you doing that in your own life? Ask God to teach you. It's going to help you overcome life by hearing the voice of God. And you and I need to know how to pray God's way. And here Jonah is in the belly of a fish. He's turned his heart, his eyes, everything about his life back to God. He's having a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord hears his prayer and God is going to move. Number two, survive life by trusting God's promises. I'm pretty confident As we worship the Lord, as we engage with the sermon, there are many of us who are trying to survive life. God, how am I going to survive? How am I going to survive this career situation? How are we going to survive and make it financially? How am I going to physically get through what I'm dealing with? How is this relationship ever going to be restored and reconciled? Spiritually, when am I going to get out of this desert that I'm in and find waters flowing in my spiritual life again? God, how am I going to survive? Many people in life are looking to survive. Jonah here is praying in the belly of a fish. Where is the most interesting place you've ever prayed in your life? As I thought about that in my life, I've prayed in some very interesting places. I'll never forget one morning. I'd I'd been at New Orleans Seminary. I'd finished my doctoral defense. It had been approved. I'd passed. That journey was over. I remember walking out of that room where I met with those professors and went through that experience, as grueling as it was. I remember walking back, getting into the rental car, and literally just sitting in that rental car, overwhelmed at the grace and goodness of God in my life. God, I'm I'm just a boy from Barron County, Kentucky. And you allowed me to accomplish this educational pursuit. And I was just praying and overwhelmed because of the grace and favor of God in my life. I'm confident there are people in hospital rooms who cry out to God and say, God, heal me and change me. Let my life be different than it is now. 
I'm confident there are people in jail cells who have made so many mistakes in life, they cry out to God with an honest heart to say, God, I'm not even sure how I ended up here, but would you change the circumstances and the direction of my life? I'm confident there are people who will sit in offices tomorrow, miserable in their workplace, feeling no direction, no satisfaction, no fulfillment, nothing of God's direction. And they're crying out saying, God, something has got to change in my circumstances or God, something has to change in me. Uh, There are going to be people who are going to sit in cars somewhere tomorrow and say, God, my marriage is not going the way it needs to. My family is in a tough place. Lord, my career, I don't even understand it. My physical life, they're going through all these different scenarios. They're honest with God and say, God, something has to change. I can't keep living this way. And Jonah found himself trying to survive life in the belly of that fish, and he cries out to God, and he asks God again, God, I'm just trusting your promises. To write these in. How do you survive? How do you do that in your life? You're here today. You're watching. You're trying to survive. You're trying to get through another day, another hour, another minute. How do you survive? Let me give you some of these insights. Number one, spend time in God's Word. If you're going to survive life, spend time in the Word of God. As you read Jonah chapter 2, interesting enough, Jonah was well acquainted with God's Word. He was well acquainted with the book of Psalms because Out of 10 verses, most of that is just quoting from the Psalms. He literally knows the Word of God. He spent time in God's Word. And so he's just sharing the Word of God to say, God, this is your Word. These are your promises. I'm just saying these things back to you. How do you increase your time in God's Word? Let me give you these words. One is time. If you're going to be a student of God's Word and you're going to survive all that life brings to you and me, make sure you spend time in God's Word. And when I say time, here's what I mean. Give God the best time of your day. I mean, God's created us all differently. We're wired differently. For some people, we're early birds. We get up very early in the morning. For others, you function better in the middle of your day. Others are night owls. You can stay up all night long. Whatever the best time of your day is, give that time to God because you want to survive life. A part of that, spending it in his word. Give the Lord the best time of your day. Second word is place. Make sure you have a place where you spend time with God. And here's what happens. When you have that place, it becomes extremely sacred to you in your life. It may be a couch. It may be a chair. It may be some kind of table. But this is a place where you and God spend time together. And you literally just walk into the room. And all of a sudden, your heart says, this is where God and I meet at. That place becomes sacred. I have a place in every place we've ever lived. I find a place, seek God. God, this is where you and I are going to meet at in the early morning hours, spend time together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word, going to worship you. That place becomes important. Third word is plan. Make sure you have a plan. What are you going to do when you spend time with God? Don't be haphazard about it. Make sure you've got a plan, a Bible reading plan, ways that you're going to pray, times you're going to be still and listen to him, ways that you're going to make, listen to music, whatever. But somewhere you've got a plan. God, when you and I get together, this is how we're going to spend time together. It has changed your life, help you survive life. Number two, learn to pray God's word. If you're going to survive life, you spend time in the word of God, but also you do what? 
you learn to pray God's word. Many people say this, you know, I just don't know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. I kind of lose focus. I, I lose traction. I don't know what to do. Here's something that will help you in your prayer life. Learn to pray God's word. It will change your prayer life. I promise you that. Here Jonah is in the belly of this fish, remembering the promises of God. And what is he doing? He's just praying the word of God back to him. God, here's what your word said. For example, you're here today, you're lost, you don't have a relationship with Christ. Pray the word of God. Lord, you said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. Lord, I need to be saved. I'm calling on your name. You're looking at your life. You are exhausted. As a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, employee, whatever the title you may have, you are exhausted. You say, Lord, you said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Lord, I need rest in my life. You look at your life, you've got all these needs, not wants, but needs. You find yourself in the prayer room, prayer closet, having a conversation with God. You quote his word, where in Philippians chapter 4, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. God, this is what you promised. I'm crying out to you. God, help me in this season of life. You learn to pray the word of God. Then number three, begin to make wise decisions. In some of the toughest places of your life, Sometimes it may seem like the belly of a fish. Sometimes it may feel like you're in a lion's den. But somewhere you make the best decisions of your life. And I believe in this belly of the fish in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah made the best decision of his life in a tough place. God, I've, I've been running from you. I've been cast overboard. I've been swallowed by this great fish. And he's having a conversation with God and say, God, I just need your help. And what does God do? God's going to rescue him in there. He made the best decision of his life in a very, very tough place. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 15, you see the story of the prodigal son, what happened in his life. He wanted his share of the father's inheritance. He goes to his father. His father gives it to him. He leaves the presence of his father. He goes away, wastes everything in wild living. He is in a pig pen. And the Bible says he came to his senses in a pig pen and said, I need to go back to my father just to be one of the hired servants because life was so much better there. That, that young man in a pig pen made the best decision of of his life in a tough place. I have every reason to believe there are many people in this worship center, many people who are watching, and there is no question your life is in a tough place right now. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know how you ended up there, but your life is in a tough place. Here's what I encourage you again. Make sure you make the best decision of your life. Obedience to Christ. Run back to him. Confess your sin. Draw near to God. Make the best decision of your life in the toughest place of your life. Let Jesus change your life. That's the story of John. He survived. How? Time in the Word, praying the Word of God, and making the best decision in a tough place. Number three, experience life by receiving God's grace. You, you just experience life by receiving the grace of God. In this, in this context, we see Jonah. Let me give you these two statements. Look at number one, come to God just as you are. I want to give you a word. You may write this up to the side. In preaching, even in Christianity today, it's not a popular word, but it's an important word. It's the word brokenness. How many of us are broken before the Lord today? You're broken about your life. You're broken about your marriage. You're broken about your family. 
How many of us are broken about the Lord's church? How many of us are broken over the condition of our nation? But as you look at Jonah, Jonah was broken before God. But here's the insight. Brokenness is only for a season. He could never stay in the belly of that fish forever. It was only a season and God was getting his attention. This morning I encourage you, if you're broken, make sure you turn your heart and your eyes to the Lord. He wants your attention. He wants you to call out to him. In the midst of your brokenness, seek him. There are times in life we don't know anything else to do. There are times in life you're going to realize that Jesus is all you need when he's all you have in life. You don't have anything else. You've tried everything else. Nothing else worked. And Jesus is all that you need because he's all that you have. Jesus. You say, well, how do I know if brokenness is working or not in my life? Here's one of the great indications. You'll be able to tell if brokenness in your life, if God's getting your attention and your heart is shifting, when you are broken and you start praying like Jesus prayed, then God's using your brokenness in your life. Well, how did Jesus pray? In the garden, he was broken, and what did he do? Father, your will be done, not mine. That's when brokenness is working in your life. When you come to a point of surrender, life, marriage, family, church, nation, God, we don't know what to do. I'm a broken individual. We are broken people, but here's what we're praying. We're asking for your will to be done and not ours. God is at work in your life through brokenness. Jonah here says, well, I'm going to, what I vowed I'm going to do, God is working in the midst of his brokenness. Number two, agree to do what God wants. In, in this text, he says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He just simply agreeing to do what he promised he would do, what God wants. Go to Nineveh. How many of you are willing to do what God wants today? Here's what happened in the book of Jonah. This is another sermon within itself. But Jonah found himself in the belly of this fish because God was disciplining his life. Instead of running with God, he was running from God, and he found himself being cast overboard, and God was disciplining him, breaking him, getting him to the place that his heart would finally get right. Is God disciplining you in your life? Is he breaking you in your life for a very specific reason, something he wants to show you, grow you, work in your life? Jonah also came to realize in Jonah chapter 2, he says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah realized there was no way he could save himself. No way he could save himself. I hope you realize today in your life, you're going to come to a place in life, you're going to realize no matter what's going on, you can't save yourself. You, you, you can't forgive your own sin. Jesus Christ did that. Somewhere you realize, Lord, I'm, I'm in this situation. I'm in this tough place. If you're a believer, he's at work in your life. He's wanting you to turn to him. If you're not a believer, he, he's doing some things in your life so that you would confess your sin and your need for him. You cannot save, deliver yourself. Jonah couldn't. You and I can't. But then you come to realize you experience the grace of God because two times in Jonah chapter 2, he says, I'm going to look upon your holy temple. What happened in the holy temple? What sacrifices were made? Grace was extended there. Jonah could find help. He could find healing. He could find deliverance in his life. I'm looking to your holy temple. What happened on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
He gave his body, he shed his blood, he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. You'll never save yourself. You can't work enough. You can't give enough. You surrender your life and experience the grace of God. You can have blessed assurance because Jesus gave everything for you. You can't save yourself, but he is the one who can rescue you and deliver you. Jesus can do that. And so you recognize that. And you come to that place to say, Lord, I can't do anything. I surrender my life to you. Now, let me close here. Because you look in Jonah chapter 2, finally in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish. I mean, mean, the Lord's speaking to a lot of people, but here he is speaking to a fish. And what did the fish do? The fish vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Even Jonah made the fish sick. And here, the very fish is obeying the leadership of God. The Lord spoke to the fish and commanded the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah up on dry land. The fish obeyed the leadership of God. Now, I ask you, if you're going to find victory in your life, are you willing to obey the command of God? He's speaking into your life today. If the fish would obey him, will you obey him? And so so I just plead with you. You're lost. You need to give your life to Christ. You'll never save yourself. You need to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking to you about being saved. He's commanding you to turn from your sin and give your life to him. Obey the leadership of God this morning. We witnessed a beautiful Bible baptism again this morning. You need to do that in your own life. The fish obeyed the Lord. Will you obey the Lord and say, I'm not going to be ashamed and embarrassed. If the fish could obey, I'm going to obey. I need to stand publicly and let people know that Jesus is my Savior. I'm following him, and I want to be obedient to him. You want to join the fellowship of this church? From the balcony to the area down below, you need to obey the leadership of the Lord today. Watching online, you need to do the same thing. The fish obeyed. Will you obey the leadership of God today? God's calling you into ministry. You've been running the other way, but you have been caught. The consequences are there. He spoke to the fish. The fish obeyed. Will you obey the Lord in your life and say, Lord, I'm going to stop running. I'm going to obey your leadership. And it begins right now. If the fish obeyed, how many of us in this worship center, how many watching out there somewhere around the world, you need to obey the leadership of God as well? And when you obey him, you can have this blessed assurance that nothing this world will ever, ever take away from you. Only God can give that. The inside story, the belly of a fish. God can work in your life even in the belly of a fish. And I don't know your crisis, the place you've landed at. I encourage you, turn your eyes, heart to God, cry out to him. He answers your prayers and let him change your life today. Blessed assurance. Let's bow together as we pray. In this room, again, watching, that fish, probably a good-sized fish, obeyed the, the command of the Lord that day. And the Lord's speaking into your life. You're trying to survive, trying to overcome. He's wanting you to experience grace. Will you obey his call today as well? Our pastoral staff's going to be here. Our prayer team's going to be here. If we can help you take that step where you run back to the Lord again, you obey him. We want to help you do that today.
So salvation, baptism, church affiliation, call to ministry, Christian life in some way. Life is just miserable. You're sinking. And you just need to say, Lord, save me today. That simple prayer. It will be an unforgettable experience for you. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for your amazing grace. And thank you for promising us blessed assurance. And so, Lord, in this invitation, they're not coming to us. They're coming to you. We just want to be your hands and feet and your servants. And, Lord, I pray today there will be people who are sinking, who maybe who are in the belly of the fish, would just say, Lord, save me today. And this will be a day people will draw to you. We leave the results to you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you again for inviting us to come to you. And, Lord, we desire to be obedient. Just as that fish obeyed, Lord, help us to obey, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name.